0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? West Dead Air Knife here with Always.
1: Typical idea.
0: Today's show, we're doing the 1988 classic. Clive Barker presents? Does he present this one?
1: He does. He didn't, like, write the screenplay for this one, but he was so there. He was totally there.
0: Hellbound, colon, Hellraiser 2.
1: Would it be Hellraiser 2, colon, Hellbound? Or Hellbound? Hellraiser 2?
0: The box always said... Hellbound Colon Hellraiser two. So we have like a Rambo situation. We have like a first blood, then first blood two Rambo, and then Rambo three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Too much semicolons and colons going on here. Yeah. See we have um to to right right away dive into plugging the Wicked Library. I'm wearing a Wicked Library shirt. But, you but, are
0: wearing a yeah, Wicked Library I'm shirt. I'm so
1: stoked. I don't usually wear shirts. Like I wear two different podcast shirts, though. Um, this is Horror Podcast and the Wicked Library now. I think we need a shirt. But the Wicked Library anthology that I'm in, that we both have got our live real physical copies now. That's it is right. the li- Wicked Library Presents colon 13 Wicked Tales colon uh, Wicked
0: Library Anthology. Mm-hmm. So there's like a two colon thing going on in there. You know what's interesting about your story? What's the title of it again?
1: A Grave Marginalia.
0: Marginalia is what freaks me out, so I don't like to say it. Uh, It sounds dirty, doesn't it? it? Well, no, it just is a word that I'm just having a hard time pronouncing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, but the thing about the story is, is once I started reading your story, which is Lucky Number 13 in the Wicked Library, I remembered that you had told me about this story as you were doing it, or perhaps just after you wrote it.
1: And I I had told you a couple of the the storylines of the aborted stories too so i could see how it would just get like mixed up or i could if you asked me i would say i don't know if i told it was i'm the only person Mm. i know i told about the story really as i was working on it was chris Mm -hmm. but
0: this is not the first story that you've done with hair involved
1: yeah hair's a thing huh isn't it i know this is like
0: there's other stories that haven't seen the light today that have to do with hair as well what is with you and hair? Is it something creepy or unclean about it to you or natural or...? I
1: don't know. I don't know. I I really don't give my hair much of a thought. Although from what I understand, it's quite remarkable hair that mm. I have. My mother had remarkable hair too, and she would remark on it. I don't know. I, was never, I never found hair particularly creepy, mm. but there are some like, the hair has been kept and passed down in my family, and
0: that's not weird. No, it's very folksy though. It is very folksy.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, I I am a fan of hair and horror, as you know, because I love Asian, Asian horror. horror. Where so it's it's a, it's a huge thing. about everything between Ringu and The Grudge and Dark Water, uh, uh, where it's, it's a dead
1: thing, it's a dirty thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's an, an extension of a dead thing's power. Uh, and 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 just this thing that will stop up your drains and and invade your space tie out you of control up. Yeah. Can get like Medusa style insanity yeah. yeah and that type of stuff I fucking love yeah so within that I'm very into all this stuff with the hair because the second someone finds clumps of hair in books. I know something's up. I would yeah. <laughs> I would throw that book in a fucking river and yeah. pack my bags and move away. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's good. I know know
1: how to prank Wes.
0: I know. Just like, oh, here's this. Here's a, you can lend me a a movie or something like that. And I open up the disc and there's just a fucking clump of hair in it.
1: Oh, no, I'm totally for Easter. I'm going to, now that you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do this, but I so badly want to like, you know how you blow eggs for Pisanky? Yeah. I want to blow an egg and then one by one I'll feed in hairs in the Mm. little hole that's left and then I'll patch (laughs) it with Elmer's glue. So it looks like a totally normal egg. And then I'll have you crack it and they'll be like full of hair.
0: <laughs> horror experiments
1: 101. Oh my
0: God. Speaking of horror experiments, um, this is a commentary track, which, yeah. is, which is not an experiment, but it is an experiment. It's a test of your patience.
1: It is a test of my patience. And it's, you know, the saving grace and the whole reason that I said okay to the first one uh, and now begrudgingly say, okay to all of the other ones, is that it's good movies. It's movies I like that I can yeah. sit through and talk about. I know that we have something to talk about, so it's not so bad.
0: I, I for one, first of all, am a genius because I fucking tricked her into a gang. Because yeah. I know one of her favorite movies of all time is Halloween 2. And so I wanted to do Halloween. And so it's almost your fault that we have to do two commentary tracks. Completely, yeah. So, cause mm-hmm. like, so now it's like we have to do a first one and a secret generally speaking, these movies that we do are pretty big.
1: I know, and we're tossing around for next year uh the omen one and two. That'll be interesting. And that's one yeah, that we've tossed yeah, around a yeah, bit. Yeah. Something else might bump it out. Like if we, we do want to get into some of the biggies. Yeah. Um we wanna do nightmare on Elm Street movies.
0: Yeah. so we because we 'cause we 'cause we've done a we've done a few of the Friday the 13th's. But for old Freddie, we kept we just left in the dust for some. We've only done two, mm-hmm. um, and that and uh, and so. You know, I'd love to do Freddy's Revenge. I'd love to do uh, Dream Wars. Dream, well, we did Dream Wars. Oh, yes, we, we did. We didn't do Dream Master, though, or yeah. Dream Child or any of the other ones.
1: And I kind of want to do the remake. Was that what we were talking about when we were talking about remakes back to back?
0: We might have been we talking have been, about We might yeah. have been talking about we got about
1: some that. tricks up our sleeves because we are off script from here on in. Yeah. We aren't going to have a long rolling list of, you know, we'll fulfill requests always. Mm-hmm. And we have one coming up. But um, we're, we're not going to plan ahead as we normally have. So yeah. it's just
0: going to be by the seat of our pants from here on in. We'll see how long that lasts. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, I'm feeling nervous about it because if we don't have a plan, I start like thinking like, well, what about this? What about, what if we do this and this and this and then we're fine and I, I'm not nervous. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But what we're going to be doing today is we are going to be going all through Hellbound. And we're going we're gonna to have this thing lined up, or you can line it up, and you can hear our authentic reactions. This is, I don't know how you feel about Hellbound.
1: I feel pretty damn good about Hellbound.
0: Because here's my scandalous thing.
1: You've never seen it before?
0: Oh, my God. That'd be, <laughs> I'm kidding. That would be, <laughs> very, be very scandalous. Yeah. Here's a commentary track, and then the whole commentary track is literally me just being like, What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Who's that guy? Wait, what? It, who's that guy? Who's yeah. that guy? Who's that guy with all the, the, the nails in his head? Nailhead, they call him.
1: Nailhead, yeah. Nailhead. What is your scandalous admission?
0: My scandalous admission mm-hmm. is this is my favorite Hellraiser movie.
1: That's fine. That's fine. You know what? Uh, I really like Bloodlines as well. I like Bloodlines, so I too. It's kind of tied. There's things about the first movie where I think about it as a not so much a Hellraiser movie. Like, it's a Hellraiser movie, of course. It is the Hellraiser movie. But I think of this one, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the Lament configuration. This is where it gets really highlight, highlighted. And Bloodlines again.
0: Yeah. That's where it gets highlighted. So. It's just, I feel that the first Hellraiser really is like this. It's almost like a business card. Here's the introduction the into... prologue. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, this is... This is introducing you to the world. But the later Hellraiser movies, it's just there's so much more Cenobites. There's so much more... Of this twisted shit, whereas like the 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 first one is a really slow burn, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't don't get me fucking wrong. I love the first Hellraiser movie, but oh, sure. I'm just saying
1: this is your favorite. This is
0: my favorite one, just because it's just way more centibytes, way cooler.
1: You know, I have a h- big respect for people who like part twos of things better than the others. I thought you might. Yeah, I can get behind that. I like part <laughs> twos of things. I like this very much. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to get to it. As much as I have a deep respect for Hellraiser, Hellbound is... I think of them as two movies. Same with Halloween. Mm-hmm. And same with Friday the 13th. You think of the first and second one as just one big long movie. Yeah. That's probably why they can get away with things like watching four hours of It in theater and stuff like that. And I don't mind. Yeah. Because, you know, I can't wait to watch It one and two together.
0: Yeah. Sort back of, to back. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or why I can sit and watch like multiple hobbit films or like mm-hmm. lord of the rings films because mm-hmm. i like that long storytelling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from the girl who doesn't like a podcast it's over an hour <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> listen wes i'll do this podcast with you but it can only ever be like 20 30 minutes and then we're out yeah like no problem Liz. Yeah. if we go over 40 minutes i'll just cut my throat
1: yeah here <laughs> we are
0: oh my god yeah but anyway, yeah, if we keep talking, this thing's going to be like three hours and you to kill yourself. <laughs> so I don't want that. I need you to live. I need you to live. So what we're going to do is we're going to count down. You're not going to hear the movie because we don't want to get sued. Uh, and then we're just going to talk. We're going to give you our authentic reactions as we watch this movie. I haven't seen this movie in a wee bit, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be really nice to, to sort of revisit it with you, my sweet friend. We are at four seconds on the clock already. So if you guys want to like have it lined up per- perfectly... Before I say, before before you hear that beep and turn the page, uh, put four seconds on the clock. But in the meantime, and three, two, one, and go. And we're off and running. Okay. So you told me, so Clive Barker was here, but he didn't, he's, he, obviously he didn't direct this. Obviously he he didn't write it.
1: No, he didn't. He had some help there, but he was uh, in the foreground there. It was a, another script for this movie kicking around that got aborted entirely mm. when the dad didn't return. Uh,
0: I have a I have a book that I absolutely love. That is, um, there's old Frank again. Um, this is almost starting.
1: In case we didn't watch the first movie, moments <laughs> before this.
0: That's true. Although, I mean, in these, in, in these days, in those days, um, it might have been a little while since people had seen it, like a couple of years at the very least. But yeah, no, this is like the Friday the 13th movies where they show huge sequences of events and shit as the uh, movies are starting up again. But I had a book that was a bunch of like interviews of people in the horror industry, and they had an interview with Clive Barker And it was just talking about the success of Hellbound. And he was talking about that they were doing a Hellraiser 3.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And so, like, that was, like, the the time stamp on the interview. It was really, really fascinating to uh, see all these... uh, To see his comments about the success that he had seen with Hellraiser 1 and 2 before, like, one could argue the series started to take a dip in people's estimations.
1: Yeah. With, with three. Yeah. Pointedly. I've always been fascinated to hear his perspective on these films because he stopped talking about them for quite some time. And he has a notable omission. He is a notable omission in the uh, Leviathan documentary that chronicles the making of these. I don't
0: know. I don't know if, I don't know if we, um, I don't know if we talked about this, on the show but i know we talked about it privately mm-hmm. um where like when you watch the leviathan documentary everyone's talking about clive barker like he's dead <laughs> no. like,
1: it's, and it's kind of sad it's almost like foreshadowing anything he ain't dead yet right so no it's weird feeling to watch that wanting to hear from him and hear about people talking about him like he's dead which is nuts it's yeah. absolutely nuts but I'm sure that that's how people, you know, I, you never hear uh, Kevin Bacon or Johnny Depp talk about their involvements with their seminal involvements with... Uh, Oh, Christopher Young. See, that's the thing we're missing out. We're missing out on the music here. God damn it. But uh, yeah. we don't hear their opinions. And we, I, for a long time, didn't hear Clive Barker's opinion on
0: Hellraiser because he just true. didn't
1: talk about it. He talked about his other projects. And rightfully so. He's got other things, other irons yeah, yeah, in the fire.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, if you're Clive Barker and you've done so many different things, and even, like, in terms of things that have been adapted to movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that, we've done a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And, and... Now, everyone always just wanting to talk about this one thing. Is that, do you get frustrated? Like, let's say that, like, you know, 30 years from now, people are still just asking you about Nightface, for example. Like, partially,
1: but you got to be adept at steering the conversation. And that's part of, like, being a writer and stuff, we're not given, like, a 101 in showmanship. It, it, either you got it or you don't. But you have to be adept at steering and understanding, you know, like a band when they're forced to or asked to play only old songs or whatever, Mm -hmm. taking care of business, right? Like Homer. (laughs) But like, you got to be adept at appeasing the crowd and not giving in to them, but not making them hate you at the same time. So here we get some introduction
0: to uh, Pinhead. Some very interesting introduction. This is where they decide to give you an idea. Uh, about what the origins of these characters might look like, and just in case you thought Panhead was too cool and scary, they're going to remind you that Doug Bradley is kind of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like kind of a, a nerdy, a nerdy little British man.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was, and uh, I, I'd have to, I'd have to venture to say he is. You know, it's not quite uh, entirely inaccurate.
0: Mm-hmm. Doug
1: Bradley's got to have a little bit of geekdom to him, but I, I do enjoy the bit of background to explain their look, their wounds, their motivations, what trapped them there, and what would become of somebody ultimately when they have unlocked the box and you've called them and they've came. It also kind of knocks him down a peg.
0: Hmm. Uh, there's actually one revelation about who these people were in life that I find absolutely fascinating where i'm like where's the where's the fucking comic book or book or movie about this it's like the chatter is a child
1: yeah yeah
0: that is amazing to me so you're telling me that some kid through the outer reach searching for the outer reaches of experience solved the lament configuration and then became a cenobite as we'll learn in this movie you don't just become a cenobite um oh man
1: Oh, yeah, we're just watching Doug Bradley get torn apart.
0: To, yeah. <laughs>
1: Mother of God!
0: And we get to see this crazy transformation. And.
1: Which we- is what people wanted, I suppose. You know, watching the first one, this is like what you want. You want to see how this man came to be. And then right away, within the beginnings of the second film, you get what you wanted.
0: It's true. And, and I suppose that would have been, I mean, I I mean, obviously I wasn't, well, I was alive, but I was a baby when this movie came out or the, the first movie came out anyway. And people, I wonder if people did complain. They're like, Hey, this movie was really great and all, but you know, the guy that you had on the poster and the coolest thing about the movie, they're all at the end and we didn't really get too much time with them
1: it might not have been the public consensus but there would have been focus groups at the time because those were 10 times more important at the time because they didn't have like twitter or things like that yeah. to really capture the uh, public c- public consensus yeah but they tapped into that vein somehow and yeah. i really like how this picks up from we have uh wandering disassociative screaming kirstie at the end of the last episode i yeah. guess of hellraiser and at the beginning of this film she has been uh incarcerated so to speak
0: that's true and it really is like taking place immediately and uh you gotta love classic horror movies that do this halloween comes to mind mm-hmm. i love a sequel that starts
1: the same on the next page
0: you know mm-hmm. i love yeah, that absolutely some of the Friday the 13th sequels, like, it's like, this is, like, two days later. Yeah. Or some shit. Like, between two and three, at the very least, it's, like, within, like, a day or two of yeah. each other. Yeah. It's really, really cool.
1: Or if, you know, if it's a year to the day, it feels like yeah. the next chapter. Exactly. This, though, this. I don't know how long she's been in the insane asylum, but it hasn't been that long.
0: Oh, like, where they're, where they're like, searching around for stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This cop is, like, so afraid of this basket. You think Belial's going to come out?
1: I know, right? It looks like the same basket, too. (laughs) But no, it's just one of Julia's boyfriends, I guess.
0: I guess. It was, like, investment banker. God, it looks like these things have been dead for years, a couple of them.
1: And what I'm guessing is that they were just um, desiccated, right? Like, he had sucked so much uh, of vitriol or blood or whatever out of them.
0: Mm Dark fairy tales scary tales, if you might <laughs> to tell in the dark
1: mm. <laughs> now she's waxing philosophic, my father didn't believe in fairy tales, but my uncle did,
0: yeah, you know the weird thing about uh, Chrissy's character here is is she's she really doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of information
1: Mm-mm.
0: about what happened to her and shit where's her weird boyfriend, where's the fucking art attack
1: gone. Gone, Mr. Can't Buy Me Love there. Mr. 80s <laughs> art attack. Yeah. I like I liked your call and uh, pegging him as art attack. Maybe he's this cop now. They look kind of similar. It's true. But, you know, it can't be that much later because the blood on the mattress is still red. It's yeah. still kind of soggy. Kirsty's still dirty. She's still filthy. She looks yeah. like she has survived. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait a second. The house exploded in the last <laughs> one. Was that a delusion of hers? Is that what we're led to believe here? But no, they just don't mention it.
0: Yeah. Continuity air. Yeah, Con- big time. Continuity. Oh my God.
1: Not only are they retconning the bed back, they're retconning the whole house back.
0: Yeah. Because the house was straight up on fire. Yeah. This is where we get to see some, like,. Buck Wild uh, Canadian Heritage moments where we wonder if we're going to start smelling some burnt toast.
1: I thought you were going to say the Canadian Heritage moments of the movie Dead Ringers, but I didn't. Oh
0: wonder. no,
1: because no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. This um, it's the red gloves, like the the blood on the gloves and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not quite the surgical opera of the twins in Dead Ringers, mm-hmm. but it is a very atmospheric operating arena
0: good lord i've always i've I've never entirely understood like i'm obviously i'm not a doctor believe it or not uh i've never entirely understood why people need to be awake for these types of procedures
1: i i never really understood either my grandmother had brain surgery that she was awake for Mm -hmm. and she said she could sort of feel the tugging like they put everything to sleep with the general uh, or like a local anesthetic but And you can feel it tugging around, but there's no nerve endings in the brain. And I guess that's the thinking, is that it's safer if they don't have to put somebody under. The less time they have to put somebody under, the better, right? Mm-hmm. So if they can get away with doing the surgery, and you can't see what's going on, so you're not going to be traumatized by it like that, and you can't feel a thing. So I can understand the thinking. Mm-hmm. Having someone put under is really taxing to the to the system.
0: Well, you're probably right. That's the only
1: real excuse I can think of. But then I'm not a doctor either. (laughs) Holy shit. Mm, She is a candidate for actual restraints over chemical restraints.
0: Yeah. There's any other uh, movie, she would have just been like, had a needle put in her butt. And she just would have fallen asleep.
1: Pretty much. I, I, I get it, though. She has been traumatized. The things that she's seen. Yeah. And lived to tell about. I mean she She would be traumatized, is that her boyfriend? <laughs> I'm just gonna keep, like, keep seeing her boyfriend and everybody it's now. like I'm
0: a doctor now
1: <laughs> or is that Jeff from today's special
0: mm. they kind of mentioned her boyfriend like I've read the boy's statement it's quite a little adventure they had he knows even less than she does. Mm-hmm. He literally just like shut up as the house to the house. And saw a couple of the Cenobites get disintegrated. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. He knows way less.
1: And she wasn't really talking about what was going on in the house anyway. Now, does she really understand how Frank came back? Like, she understands that Frank came back. And that Frank was slowly... That, that Frank needed someone's body. Mm-hmm. But how would she know that Julia could come back from the mattress like Frank did? Because she was not privy to his birthing.
0: Yeah. And and Frank didn't come back via the mattress. We're not entirely sure. Frank started manifesting himself in the floorboards of the house. Yeah. And it's not entirely clear how he was able to do that, why he came there.
1: Like his heart was there. Yeah. Or
0: something. But like... Like, a what place there. A, a place that he was most familiar with, perhaps. But, no, in this case, she really has no idea what would be going on.
1: Who knows? Like, she is a, an astute woman and could put two and two together, I'm sure. But that is a real leap. And here we are pecking holes in Hellbound, as bad as we can.
0: You know what, I I don't want to, I'm not trying to like put holes into it. I guess I'm just like curious about, listen, I understand that when you're writing something, you just kind of have to like get rid of the mattress or whatever, because if you don't have that line in there, then Christie has to like discover one more thing, I guess, or if it even really matters, or maybe it's for the audience sake, I'm not entirely sure. Because uh, the audience might not know. But, I mean, you could also have some faith in your audience and just have Julia come back via the uh, via the mattress and be like, oh, okay, she came back from the mattress.
1: No, and I don't mean to pick holes in it either. But there's just a whole bunch that I'm noticing all of a sudden. Yeah. Right? Because we've... And I have watched them back to back when I first got this set. I definitely didn't. See, she, he looks like her boyfriend, but just a grown-up, less art attack version.
0: Yeah, he's he's like, listen, I've uh, put my party shirts away, and now I'm just wearing a striped shirt and a suede jacket. My name's Kyle. I'm your boyfriend. I'm your boyfriend now, Christy. Like it's that.
1: Tiffany, who I keep wanting to call Jessica, the girl that does puzzles. Tiffany. Yeah. This is where I had a real affinity for this girl because I am a puzzle-loving kid. And I had these you? sorts of puzzles uh, that she has in a gifted education class. <sighs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I definitely had seen this one. There's a barrel-shaped one like this, real Mensa training bullshit. This, but uh, and tangram puzzles as well seem to be something that Tiffany would enjoy. And I don't know why. I just always want to call her Jessica.
0: No, Tiffany. I don't know Jessica. She looks like a Jessica.
1: She does, although she's blonde. Or, or she's blonde like Kylie Minogue, who was popular at the time. Tiffany looks more like Kirsty.
0: <laughs> There's some like '80s pop sensations for you.
1: I can't help it watching this. We had a Kirsty dressing like Madonna earlier, yeah. and and now we've got someone named Tiffany. How can I help? I don't but think, think of. Tiffany,
0: I don't think I'll ever be able to watch the first one without like Chrissy's introduction to the movie, where you were like, "It's Papa, don't preach," and I'm like, "Oh my god, it so is."
1: That's exactly
0: it. It's like the telltale harp, but with blood. These sort of like twisty, dream- <laughs> the beats get louder, um, twisty uh, dream sequence. This um, image of Julia, you know. I am in Hell Help Me is uh I see this gif all the time on the internet.
1: Yeah, I I suppose it would be very popular. It was uh um an image that I'd seen in a Fangoria magazine that was just burned into my mind. And mm-hmm. it is just such an iconic scene. Mm-hmm. Although if somebody when someone says howlbound, howlers are hellbound, uh it isn't what comes to mind necessarily mm-hmm. as the image in my mind but
0: i always think thinking the tentacle doctor that's what i'm all, like
1: I, unfortunately i do too and i've always just disliked the doctor as i certainly dislike the doctor as a Cenobite.
0: because he's not really he's an
1: interloper
0: yeah um i'll get into that i'll get into oh yeah um what i think about the him and his transformation we'll call it but uh As much as this sequence is iconic, that's a little...
1: I know, right? I I love this scene. Yeah. Uh, And I like the luck of the filmmaking because, I mean, how many times could you try to, okay, walk up, touch the blood, you'll get a drop on you and then touch it to your lips. The way that that all panned out and the viscosity of the blood is perfect, that drip dripping off just as she's bringing her finger toward herself again. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just such lucky, such fantastic filmmaking. But... She put the blood on her lips. Ew,
0: pretty gross. Oh,
1: it's super gross. And it's
0: her, and it's her weird, like stepmother's blood.
1: Weird stepmother's uh, fucking blood from hell, because she's that's where she is. That's hell blood. Ew. <laughs> I like the portrayal of crazy people in films. I really do. I think uh, Twelve Monkeys did it pretty well as well.
0: Monkey, monkey. <laughs> cacophony of shouting and screaming. I, I like these uh, these descriptors.
1: Yeah, they did do a good job. The, the whole box set, we neglected to talk about the box set, and that was something uh, me and Chris were talking about the the show in Hellraiser and the Scarlet uh, box earlier. It's just a really well put together set, and I don't really want to spend too much time talking about it in particular, mm. but uh, if anyone is a huge fan of the Hellraiser series, then I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, although scandalously, I don't actually own it. We're using yours. Yep. I still have mine on DVD, like a a, a peasant, but I just couldn't bring myself.
1: I think the only other insane asylum or insane person in a film that is like a totally tertiary character that I like better than these guys is Multiple Migs from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Multiple Migs pretty funny.
0: Oh, Kirsty. So this weird idea, I suppose, like, we don't often spend a lot of time with characters who are victims in horror movies that manage to survive to the end of them. Because a lot of our opinions, or our, I suppose most people's opinions would be, well, she survived to the credits and all is well. Except I do love it when movies present you with the reality of the situation. Our know, her father's dead. Her stepmother's dead. The house was destroyed. Um, she's seen things beyond her wildest comprehension. And so where do we find this happy-go-lucky college girl that we met in the first film? We find her stewing in a mental institution. Uh, you know, filthy. Isolated. Um, I mean, she's got Kyle here.
1: With no support. People that don't really believe her. Yeah. Um, medical support, of course, and the to the tune of take these pills and you need sleep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it is unique in that way. I mean, a heretic, perhaps, is something that sort of follows the character in the same sort of manner. But mm-hmm. uh, not not quite like this, because this is a grown adult whose life has been irrevocably destroyed mm-hmm. at this rate. we got a feel for her from the get-go in that manner. So we have um, a, a little uh, plot development here where the doctor has ordered the bloody mattress to be brought to the hospital or a round back, whatever a round back means at this point. Mm-hmm. So we know that Dr. Charnard either is going to use it as a... Um, you know, you, not seeing this, you might guess that he's going to use it to traumatize Christie or some sort of like exposure exposure therapy or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, we get a lot more sex scenes too.
0: I was gonna say, like, th- those seem like way more extended sex scenes that were like filmed in the first movie that maybe they didn't use or something like that. Yeah,
1: that's what it seems to be. Ones that were too porny.
0: Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like putting his weird face together. This is weird because this is like the first sequence of the movie. Oh my god! They really yeah, we get all sorts of flashbacks. Wow! Like you, they really go into this. As it,
1: why Frank was under the floorboard, though. Again, mm-hmm. scene missing.
0: I was going to say, like, the one thing that I'm going to lament about Julia's return is we don't get we don't get the same sequence of Frank's return.
1: Oh, true. Very, very true. I mean, uh, not like there you could really, you know, hold a candle to that. I mean, hers has its own psychological underpinnings that are unique to Julia. Coming out of that bed, for one, right? Mm-hmm. Where's your buddy, Chatter. I love
0: Chatter. Why do you think he sticks his fingers in her mouth?
1: To see what a t- have a normal mouth behaves like. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Exploring other people's mouths, since his is so interesting. I don't know. To shut her up?
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: Could be. It's a convenient grabbing point in a human face. <laughs> Come to daddy. Come to Ta-da. he says it so strangely too
0: i know and so often
1: yeah aside from the score that we're missing out here we're missing out in the wonderful come to Daddies."
0: yeah yeah we do get um wow it's like you could almost skip the whole first movie
1: mm-hmm well, that's very true it's very true that's another thing that a lot of horror franchise sequels do is revamp the first one. They normally do it when they're retconning something to sort of drive home the, hey, remember how this happened the way we're telling you it did now? Mm-hmm. There's not much different here except that the house didn't collapse.
0: God, like that line they tossed in in Blair Witch about, yeah. well, you know, there's been some debate about whether things happened in the basement or the attic. I'm like, No.
1: There's, yeah, no debate at all.
0: There's no debate at all until you decided to change and in your script. Assholes. Nah, it's fine. I like that movie.
1: Or the new Halloween, how they talk about the relationship of
0: Yeah, Michael it's like, Wires. no way, man, that was just a rumor. They're not related. And I was like, all right, that's fine.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Works, it works. Here they just don't even bother addressing the fact that the house didn't collapse. But... Considering her state of mind, I guess we're supposed to believe that it was a hallucination of hers. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's like listen, you can you can renovate this place all you want. You'll never get rid of this bloody but I guess this is Channard's office. Yes. Looking like fucking um, like he's got like a fucking weird macabre like Museum of the Bizarre Office. I
1: I would have a Museum of the Bizarre Office. He's got some Crowley stuff going on there. Yeah. Nice. Lots of Lament configurations in the background. Yeah. He's into Mandalas for whatever reason as well. So he's a Lament configuration junkie. And this is where I would think, okay, he is going to have Christy in there to have some exposure therapy. But no. Yeah. He's a way more screwed up individual than all that.
0: It's true, but it definitely looks like it. like look, definitely looks like he's got some some of those weird oddity skeletons that they used to make and to like try to sell you, like oh, fish boy and and stuff like that.
1: And but he would collect the closest to the real thing. His pickled punk would be an actual like uh, conjoined twin in a jar. Yeah. you know, he seems to have some some real stuff going on. The,
0: the shrunken the head. head would be like an authentic shrunken head. Or... Yeah,
1: yeah. Not so much sideshow-ish. But among all of that, some like representations, rubbings, Mm -hmm. originals, and oh my, three lament configurations under glass.
0: This is fucking fascinating to me. This is one of the most interesting things that came... Well, when I first saw this movie, the fact that there's all these different cubes and it starts to make you wonder... That makes a lot of sense because if there was just one in the world, people you would have to wait for people to f- be lucky enough to get their hands on it. But if there's multiple ones, this guy alone has three, but let's say there's 20, 30, 100 yeah. in the world. We don't know, but they all will give you access to the same thing, which is the Cenobites themselves
1: creates an instant secret society that you're going to automatically wonder about. Mm-hmm. And he's such a master of that. in the Great and Secret Show, Clyde uh, Barker novel, that is, in my opinion, to a certain extent, unadaptable. But mm-hmm. it, he does the same sort of thing where you just can't help but run with it in your imagination and create this very vast network of these people where we're seeing a little glimpse and suggestions of what the Doctor is into and what he has followed. And lo and behold, he not only knows all about the boxes, he knows about the actual Mm Cenobites. It's insane. But it's just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, if we're to suspect that there's more than just these on planet Earth. What is he doing? What is this? <laughs> what do you think? Go and hide behind a curtain and we'll find out.
0: Oh my God, yeah, then you're like straight up like fucking uh um Hamlet hide yeah. behind curtains, getting stabbed and shit like that.
1: <laughs> Some of the greatest stories ever told. so where you, the uh, upon like first blush, you would think, oh. I thought he was going to get Kirsty to play some sort of doctor's treatment stuff, but no, he's grabbed like Mr. Wiggleworms there, and he's going to lay wiggleworms down on the disgusting mattress,
0: yeah, so he can uh you know summon his person this um. What do you think is with this guy's skin? Is he just picked at it so much, or?
1: Yeah, he's a, he's definitely a pecker, and because he's envisioning that everything's infected, and he's infected, and there's worms and bugs, and they, yeah, they just like they show what he envisions. So he's yeah, definitely done that to himself.
0: Yeah. This is like the contemplation where he's like, "I'm going to take my old timey razor here." It's
1: funny going through some of my. Uh, mother's belongings that had been her father's
0: belongings mm-hmm.
1: there's an old old razor in there an old straight razor and it is the rustiest thing man
0: oh really i think
1: it would take about a week to sharpen it properly oh, again my God. but apparently according to horror movies they're the sharpest thing in existence
0: yeah or old gangsters and shit like that mm-hmm. i was like all right, you smokes, you're gonna slit your throat
1: So he's handed this razor to his patient who thinks that there are bugs writhing all over him, and he's a picker. So given any fingernails, he will tear his skin apart. So now he has a razor in his hand, so he's basically slashing himself up on the bloody mattress where we know Julia had died. Hmm. Christy has already fed our inspiration that if there is... If Julia is able to come back, she will come back from this mattress, and now we're seeing... It being fed blood, much like the floor had been when we watched Frank come back in the last film. It's true. So what do you think is going to happen?
0: Well, I have a sneaking suspicion that he's going to get pulled through the mattress. But like... (laughs) It's not uh, as fun of a rebirthing.
1: Okay, sure. It's
0: really, really not. You know, it's cool. But like, it's just not as... There's this moment when Frank's getting reconstructed in the first movie where you're literally like, how the fucking hell did they do this?
1: Would we suspect that she's being fed and been living in the mattress for a week at least now?
0: Maybe. Okay. God, that mattress is gross looking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but this is kind of like, oh, I know how they, they did this. They have someone in a suit mm-hmm. writhing around, and that's how they did this. Whereas it's like, I suppose it's no less horrific, but it is technically less impressive. Yeah. But I do like the sequence because it's fucking disgusting still. So bloody.
1: It is very bloody and disgusting and slippity sloppity. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Julia, don't stop it. I think (laughs) that would be a fantastic Halloween outfit, though. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it be? You'd probably have to, like, really, like, get some glycerin or something to I, keep yourself juicy. I was going to say, you'd be,
0: you'd be totally covered in cat hairs by the end of it.
1: Oh, yeah, totally true. Oh, God, yeah.
0: Yeah. She's got the straw fingers. Yeah, so she's going to just suck the essence right out of people. Squelching. There's, um, it, it does make sense. Like, not only would Julia have bore witness to this personally, watching Frank, like, resurrect himself. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, you know, now she's been in hell, so she's got all kinds of crazy secret information.
1: It's interesting that I had likened her their, their straw fingers to something out of Frank Herbert's Dune. Mm-hmm. And I'm not alone in that. And also likening that creature in the hallways, I'd called it a navigator just for lack of a better term, but it, it was because it reminds me of the navigators in Dune that are way bigger than that yeah. creature, but it looks so much like it. And there are Bene Gesserit witches that look like Cenobites in that. So mm-hmm. some some interesting parallels, interesting subtle parallels between the two universes. Totally different stories, though, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Or else we'd do Dune
0: on the show. Yeah. Yeah. God, the sludge just...
1: And there's something about those stripy mattresses too that just <sighs> say bed bugs and piss to me.
0: Oh yeah, let alone buckets of gore. You know, those mattresses seem really filthy to me all the time. Just because, like, the last time I'd seen mattresses that old and with that pattern on them mm-hmm. is like getting rid of them out of the old cottage, and yeah. and you know, like they're always like hand-me-down beds that have been sitting around forever, and.
1: That might have originally come from like a motel seconds sale. Yeah. In the beginning. And then now, thirty years later, a mouse has home in it, so you're deciding to throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember the mattresses that were like that at my cottage, my mom would tell me that I was like, Oh, those were old when they were put in here. Yeah. And I literally have no recollection of them not being in the in the cottage. So give you an idea about how many decades they've been sitting around but man we pitched those out
1: yep that's uh we had a family cottage when i was a kid and i about 10 years passed before i revisited the cottage again and the mattresses were the same and that was weird to me <laughs> yeah think like i'd gone through and you know when you're a kid you, you go to a different bed eventually and maybe another bed so in that time i'd probably change mattresses in my short life three times mm-hmm. so it was just weird to me that they were still there well it's not easy to sleep <laughs> So Julia is feeling fine and fancy-free, fit as a fiddle.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, she probably is not feeling too great because she's got no skin still.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like we were talking about in the last one, the nerve endings are going to be painful. See, this puzzle is like an advance. That's like a cool, hip, high-culture 1980s version of a tangram that uh, Tiffany was just playing with. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Do you think Chandler's like? Could you just not touch anything in my pristine white apartment?
1: Why he wouldn't lay down some plastic okay.
0: for Julia to deal with? A newspaper or
1: newspaper, plastic. A newspaper would probably stick to bloody feet. I think the yeah. plastic would probably be a little nicer.
0: Get her a tarp or something. She is gushy.
1: Yeah, it's that fake blood and KY mix.
0: Looks pretty yeah. gross also the thing that's very interesting about julia is the only other time that we'd seen somebody in this was uh, in this type of makeup was frank mm-hmm. frank being uh, in a very dark dingy burned out almost section of the house and she is now in this very pristine white they seem to almost be they seem to almost be um reveling in the filthy versus clean aesthetic, even putting her in white. Like, can you not think of any other color that would probably be better to put her in? I think there, that would be an okay Halloween outfit.
1: Yeah. Then you'd only need to really make up your face and your chest. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. I wonder how many people would recognize someone dressed like that as Julia.
0: I have no idea. But you tell you one thing: if they did recognize it, they would be. You'd know that that was a cool person that you'd want to hang out with. Oh, completely.
1: Or, or just walk by and, and nod, with that sort of like nod that says "cool outfit" at the very least. Oh.
0: There's this aspect of Julia who has. Um, Crawled back from hell, who is just indulging in the various uh, pleasures of life wine, a cigarette, being mummy wrapped.
1: <laughs> yeah, super pleasures of life. Yeah. And again, it, it's striking me more and more as a, as a Cronenberg style body horror here with this bandage wrapping. Yes. Which I've never really likened this to a body horror.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He st- does a good job.
0: Yeah. And that probably took fucking forever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, like, my God. But she is... Um, yeah, she is fucking mummy. Ro- like, there's there's even, like, an extreme amount of artistry to it. Like, it's like he's dressed her in a bedsheet, Like, one of those time-lapse, like, all the things you can do with a scarf video.
1: Yeah, I like that video actually. It's helpful stuff. How to 21 ways to put on a wrap dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they did a good job, but it's fitting to Julia's personality as we know her. And this gives Goodnight Mommy a run for its
0: money. Oh, yeah, really, seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. Now she's wrapped up quite comfortably. Yeah. And now, as far as the other carnal pleasures, along with wine and a cigarette, she's going to have a little dance.
0: Yeah. She's like, oh, a handsome doctor, you say.
1: So he's not necessarily after Julia and her and her sexy sexy skinless ass. No. He's after where she's come from. Yeah. So it would almost fool you here that he wanted like a skinless girlfriend.
0: Yeah. He's like, listen, all the skin all the like my fetish is girls with no skin. <laughs> But the problem is, is every girl has skin. (laughs) So.
1: (laughs) What a strange woman.
0: Yeah. I suppose it is that, though. It is, like, she wants to just, like, keep having her horny experiences.
1: And at this point, she's being almost, like, vindicated. Mm -hmm. like she's allowed to be a horned dog she doesn't have to be like she can't have all that that life can offer the wine, the cigarettes, Mm -hmm. the nice clothes maybe hair someday if she keeps going at this rate and men and sex Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be one or the other oh Jeff from Today's Special
0: Today's Special he lost his hat he shouldn't be able to move yeah you're right he does have a Jeff from today's special. That's what he
1: looks like to me, but uh, um, yeah, he he's hot on the trail. He's figured it all out.
0: He's like, I'm a doctor.
1: Suddenly, she's not dressed so much like Madonna from the "Papa Don't Preach" video.
0: No, she's uh, she's got like a. I don't know. What would you call this? Like business casual thing going on?
1: Sort of. And I don't believe that those are her clothes. Like when he said, I'll go get your clothes. I don't think that's what she left the house in. No. A fucking business suit.
0: Her hair seems to be getting bigger by the minute.
1: I love her hair.
0: Yeah. Channard, like, um, I I wonder if Channard is like not too concerned with people Having like not too concerned with people knowing his plans because like no one would really suspect anything because it's not like he he's he's secretive about things but he's not paranoid about it like he had really never occurred to him for any moment that anyone could walk in on his crazy mattress experiment or no one was gonna miss a patient.
1: I would chalk that up to his elitism. Mm. And he's got a, what do they call, um, influenza? Or what is it when they say someone's so rich, they just don't understand the uh, consequences? Oh, I don't know. Uh, there was a word for it. Not influenza, of course, but it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where somebody is uh, of such a high echelon, money-wise, and uh, so rich that they just, they know, not only think, but they know they can just buy their way out of anything.
0: Oh, shit.
1: I like how he doesn't have to go to the airport bar and pick up some lonely housewife. He gets some super hot BDSM patron here. Yeah. Except that dude. (laughs) I think he was wearing a housecoat. That was probably his dad. But yeah, they together decimate the neighborhood it seems
0: yeah and it seems like he through i don't know if it's access to like people in his hospital or whatever but he just has access to so many people
1: could be and i mean looking like he looks he could probably just walk out of his house and be like you come with me Mm -hmm. flash of five hundred dollars and here we go so now, after this little montage of death, where we have dozens of people chained up in Channer's house, he's mm-hmm. removing the bandages. I'm going to miss Skinless
0: Julia. I do like Skinless Julia. I do like Mummy Wrap Julia. I think this is like an aesthetic that they could have like gone for. You know what's weird, though? Mm-hmm. Is it really is the actress. Like, it's just, you know, when Frank took uh, his brother's skin, he looked like his brother. Mm-hmm. And she looks like, um, what was it What's that actress's name? Uh, Conrad, or whatever. The actress that plays Julia. Well, you know. You know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. No, who we had mentioned previously because she was in a film that I saw not too long ago about a convent. Yeah. Claire Higgins.
0: There we go. Yeah. Conrad. What was I think Well, Kyle's on the case. The mattress isn't there anymore, but there's probably enough damning evidence.
1: Well, as soon as she sees those other lament configurations, she's going to have a shit fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. Oh, no. Bring them to the girl that solves the puzzles. Oh, wait. I've already figured it all out. (laughs)
0: Like, wait a second. There's a weird chick in the hospital that all she does is solve puzzles.
1: I love how they let us know immediately what he would see opening this door. Yeah. Although we have an idea. We did see the dozens of people strung up in there. Mm-hmm. And we were privy, of course, to the other house. Which I think he would have heard about what the state of the other house from the police, but I don't know if he would have seen the state of the other house.
0: It's true. And also, it's like this idea of... Um, it's also... Uh, This movie is not spending a hell of a lot of time, you know, with Julia's reconstruction. In the first movie, it's a massive component of the film is getting Frank from point A to point B. And the movie ends when he just gets his skin. This movie is saying, "Nah, we have other things that we need to be doing. So bringing Julia back is going to be a lot quicker process.
1: A lot quicker. Mm hmm distressingly quicker because like we were saying we already miss skinless Julia and here she is and I really I kind of like the, the layout here where they have the young doctor pardon me they have the young doctor dealing with Julia of course he wouldn't recognize her so this isn't weird to him that there's a woman in the house mm-hmm. while the star of the show Christy's downstairs she would recognize Julia immediately and be very freaked out by her presence yeah. So we get to delay all of that for a little bit. Oh, a phrenology map, which I don't think has anything to do with, with, with like his with, pens the and,
0: layout of his pins. Yeah, I think it was just like to look the most aesthetic, I guess. But like, yeah. do you think? How do you think stories about the specific cenobites would have gotten out? Because that seems like information that would have been lost. If you ever see it, Christy, the way I understood it, is the first person to conjure the sonobites and not be taken by them.
1: Yeah. The way that they put it, yeah. Yeah. The only way is instead of tracing the people, the Doctor would have been tracing the boxes. So it would have been the last known owner of a box. And oh. we're only really privy to what happened to him as an audience. So that's something that the Doctor doesn't have, but the Doctor has pictures of this man leading up to his disappearance so he would have been tracing the box and that's all that I can think of it's a very good question though hey look she has a uh, vaccination scar
0: yeah well no smallpox for her Mm -hmm. and also now her skin is totally healed
1: you would think it would heal that vaccination scar huh
0: nah Mm,
1: poor doctor
0: you know Kyle I, d- I was rooting for you as a boyfriend type character. But... She seems
1: to go for those like weedy looking, q tip haired kind of fellas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kyle? Kyle, is that you? She's like, I'm taking this photo.
1: It's better. It's almost up there with ripping a page out of the phone book.
0: Oh my God. Why would you do that? And I like that she takes the time to, like, no, I'm really going to just make sure there's a massive crease in that photo.
1: Yeah. Absolutely reading a photo.
0: Yeah. That photo that's clearly, like, 100 years old. Like,
1: yeah. Well, it's not the first time we've seen somebody destroyed in the fucking death charnel house that has become your life.
0: Poor Kirstie. Yeah. She's like, I just want to sing Papa Don't Preach and go to college.
1: You know who she's looking like? Alanis Morissette.
0: Yeah. She does, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, early Alanis Morissette when, like, she was still trying to, like, kind of, like, dress like a pop star of her time and shit like that, as opposed to, like, Whatever she was doing in the '90s, back in
1: walking around New York naked, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but before that, when people were likening her to like um, a female Trent Reznor, I heard someone <laughs> years <laughs> later refer to her as, and it was like, "What? <laughs> yeah, sure." But hey, you know, I like this angle of this story. Like I said earlier, I was a puzzle-solving kid. I still enjoy a good puzzle. And to see this girl be used as such a tool like this, this mute little girl is just so touching and so angry making. And I don't know if that's why I hate the doctor the way I do, uh, or if it's just that he is like, I label him an interloper into the world of the Cenobites. He took a shortcut and I've never liked a person that takes a shortcut. Hmm. Although I do like a person with a secret two way mirror in their office. (laughs) although it's not taking attack that is unexpected once she opens this cube or solves the puzzle I do like looking at uh, Lament Configuration on the screen and comparing to the Lament Configuration that I have writ large over there.
0: I think uh, it's the same one.
1: Yeah, Chris's Lament Configuration, it is definitely, and it's very accurate now that I'm looking at it and at the one on the screen.
0: Yeah.
1: I've seen some wonderful Lament Configurations lately, and not just the ones that you can print <laughs> out, or 3D-printed Lament Configurations. I've seen mm-hmm. some really nice carved ones lately. I'm glad that that's a thing.
0: yeah. I mean, it's something that definitely um, deserves some artistry. It's interesting that um that uh, himself is constantly getting other people to do things. Like he's not not really you know, he doesn't kill the mental patient to summon Julia. He just provides the mental patient with a razor. Um, he doesn't open the box himself. He's getting someone else to open the box.
1: I don't blame him. And that speaks a lot to his clinical um, like personality and the station in life he's achieved by mm-hmm. doing just that, getting other people to do things. I mean, most of his findings, if there have been findings, and his refining his techniques hasn't necessarily been him, but having students do all of this for him. So... It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. This is lovely, though. This is uh, another lovely atmospheric crossing over.
0: Yeah. I've never entirely understood how you're supposed to, like, run your finger over the circle and it opens up the box the, the box to me is very confusing I'm not very good at solving puzzles now the box opens itself right yeah. <laughs> Like
1: that's basically the key to it. Is like you, you press on the thing and it shifts and then you run your finger around it I, what I'm suspecting is that there's a micro switch that mm-hmm. you're pushing when you do it you're not mm-hmm. just sort of tracing it you're, there's a switch that's happening that allows it to lift up twist and then once you push it back down because that's the next step it won't push itself back down it seems yeah almost like poltergeist activity at this point
0: yeah it's like listen creatures trying to break through from one dimension to another will break all of your books Mm -hmm. and uh glasses
1: Ever get that feeling there was something behind you?
0: (laughs) Very slowly turning around.
1: I like that it's not just one entrance. We have a nice, wonderful, almost like, you know, the number one entrance for WrestleMania 13 here. There's your boy, Chatterer. There's my boy, Chatterer. Butterball, who, you know, like I said, the lead singer of VNV Nation.
0: And there's the... Female Cenobite, this one Barbie Wilde.
1: Yeah. Different actress, very same look. I, I suspect that it's supposed to be the exact same girl. hmm The female is the female. She doesn't have a different name and she has the same look.
0: hmm And she doesn't have the wispy uh hairs though. Which
1: like you'd pointed out, I'd never noticed either. Mm-hmm they made her more haggish looking though and i liked it i liked that Mm -hmm. those wisps of hair well i'd beg to differ there pinhead manicus (laughs) literally
0: you see doug bradley out of makeup and then you see him in makeup within this movie you're just like, yeah, that's a glow up if I ever saw one. It's just like you're much better as like a goth BDSM wet dream than you are like just like a dorky little dude.
1: I don't mind him as a dorky little dude too, you know. How do you who's to say that he's not a goth BDSM wet dream as
0: the explorer? <laughs> they they call me the explorer. No,
1: nah, I uh I get it, though. No, it's it's very true. And it speaks to what your innermost desires would turn you into, Mm -hmm. given the chance.
0: The super glorified version of yourself.
1: Take the chatterer, for instance.
0: Yeah. Which is why I'm like, why would a kid think of themselves that way? The only thing that seems very a kid-like desire to me, the chatterer is so tall. And, like, a kid would want to be tall.
1: Maybe. And you know like psychotic thinking and uh, a shattered mind isn't reserved for those of middle age
0: no i know i i, I guess I, I guess the reason why i think it's interesting that he's a kid is because there was always a part of me that believed that there was a there was a in order to become a cenobite proper you would have to have lived a life where you were constantly pushing the boundaries of experience and for a kid to get that at such a young age he would be like a prodigy of perversion
1: a prodigy of perversion that's an excellent way to put it and that's what i suspect from this child and you want to take the leap to some sort of abuse or traumatic upbringing he was uh dexter's brother you know Mm -hmm. if you've watched the dexter series and are privy to dexter's genesis
0: Or, like, this idea of, like, could he have been like a Michael Myers? Just nothing. There was nothing there.
1: The devil's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And that helps, and that plays into the, when you see what Chatterer is, your your thoughts are just run amok with, what did this child experience? Mm -hmm. And was it entirely their own choice? And if it was... They are, like you put it, a prodigy of perversion. Mm-hmm. I love this little area.
0: Oh, this, the carnival, like the matte paintings in this are fucking gorgeous.
1: Mm-hmm. Sermon's kind of hot.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Not to put too fine a point on it, but like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's, um, mm. I've seen a lovely painting based on that scene with the clown, the eyeless clown juggling eyeballs. Oh, and I've really? seen a wonderful, a wonderful acrylic painting. I usually don't like acrylics, so the, the colors pop too much for me. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, really well done. Mm, that's some lovely stuff. We were going to sew uh, one of the members of Patron Saint of Plagues when we were shooting their video for Things Aren't What They Seem. We were going to sew one of their mouths together because he had... Uh, several piercings and he was going to just take his piercings out and sew his mouth up ah. and it proved to be too much of a pain in the butt and a pain in the mouth apparently so we yeah. didn't do it but i had uh glued on with the nail glue i'd cut these little pieces of uh, string and we glued them onto his mouth
0: oh to give the effect of yeah it was oh. fun it was
1: fun it didn't really make it it wasn't really apparent in video it didn't work out right and I wasn't able to be the camera woman, so to speak. So it mm-hmm. uh, wasn't used the way we wanted and it ended up being cut from the final video, if I recall. But it looks super cool when we first did it.
0: E. is giving us some nice little backstory and shit like that. Nice
1: little backstory, nice little uh, explanation. More explainer about Kirsty's mom. It's uh different in the book entirely, of course, their relationship, her relationship with uh
0: Well you her would say in the book that like it's not even her father. No,
1: yeah, it's her uncle.
0: It's her uncle, yeah.
1: That's some lovely stuff. It would also help us in this movie, in this universe, oh. um, describe a little more of her discomfort with Julia to begin with.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I love this sequence so much. It's so good. It's cockroaches
1: the, everywhere.
0: The the cockroaches, the cool bright boots. Re- yeah, the cool boots, the bright red blood, the spinning camera. Just this, just this, um, you know, mental journey that they're taking her on.
1: This terrifying carnival, grown up version. Yeah. Kirsty's trying in vain to open the box again, assuming that if she can open the box again, she can return sunbites to whence they came
0: mm-hmm. I love this line, just like how can it send us back? We're already here, mm-hmm. and so are you
1: so now they conveniently turn the lament configuration into the lament knife
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it basically reminds me of a weapon mm-hmm. I like this. It's almost a good cop, bad cop. Surrounded by these very terrifying creatures. hmm One of the most wonderful scenes, too, um, back in the day, where something like, I, I've come for my father. I'm the strong woman that has traversed into hell, uh, no matter what the cost. And everyone laughs at her for it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful scene.
0: This this idea of a personalized hell for everybody is so cool to me.
1: I don't know what my personalized hell would be. It would be cold, that's for sure. I'll tell you that much right now.
0: Uh, I think that your personalized hell would be... Um, a very cold elevator full of people who are eating and smacking gum.
1: <gasps> oh, God. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. I mean, I, I think the only other thing that would be make that another level of aggravating on an elevator, make an escalator that's jam full of people.
0: There you go. An escalator that never leaves. That never goes anywhere. Sorry.
1: Now this doesn't strike me as is too too hellish, um, because it is just like a, a weird three way sort of
0: with chains in a hot tub. I, again, it's it's this um, the Cenobites are always talking about. The Cenobites really are. It's like pain and pleasure leveled off into this one thing. The sort of like non geal higher point of consciousness and i think that like what um characters who encounter this idea aren't really prepared for it and i think that's where the torment comes from but those mm-hmm. who sort of embrace this um nirvana of pain and pleasure i think like i think the thing that they're seeking is possible um i think that's how come when Frank says Jesus wept, I think he almost hits that euphoria of ultimate pain Mm -hmm. and pleasure before he sort of gets destroyed and and sucked back down into hell or wherever he is. But, uh, and so like, I, I think that people who are able to cope with the pain and pleasure aspect of it. Um, that's how come I, that's how come I think that when they say angel to some demons to others, I think they're angels to people who are able to, really able to process what they're doing. Julia now. Like Julia now, whereas like, but, but I would think that the vast majority of people here were kind of like not prepared. For,
1: for the most part, even the doctor who was seeking this to a certain extent is still taken aback yeah. by the, the power and the sights uh, mm. that, I, that Julia has to show him.
0: But I think even more specific, like like Chandler himself is like, his problem is not that I think what he didn't realize was you don't come here and become a cenobite mm-hmm. the cenobites are very specific um was it picked by the Leviathan mm-hmm. um, right so like like they all answer to this higher God this Labyrinthian matte painting I love this and we're missing the score right now but like
1: oh yeah it's overwhelming and cathartic all at once mm-hmm. it's a beautiful, beautiful revelation of how big this place is and Mm -hmm. how many more, you know, you can imagine how many more scenarios like this are playing out in this landscape
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right now, hailing Leviathan.
0: Yeah. And again, like, I love this this idea of Leviathan. You're looking at it and you're like, what is it? I'm like, we're not, the fact that you can't comprehend it is... Like to look at something like this and be like, "Oh, it's a god." Um, the thing is, is like, and and I think what why he's rejected is because he only wants to inflict pain on others. He doesn't want to experience it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's what would make him rejected, rejected from uh, the the cenobites, the idea of the cenobites and shit like that. And that's how come, like, I think what he becomes is not a Cenobite at all. Um, or at the very least, something that becomes a Cenobite and then instantly like rejects the doctrine of it and the other Cenobites turn on him like uh, white blood cells. Yeah, yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I just wish he wasn't given such a lofty look to him. Yeah, he is a wonderful looking uncenobite. Mm-hmm. He's very fantastic looking, and it speaks of, like they've showed us. We're juxtaposing this mentally with the creation of Pinhead, our favorite, mm-hmm. our pal. So we are definitely juxtaposing that with this, and he ends up looking so much more interesting.
0: True, he looks more interesting, but also there's an extravagance to it mm-hmm. that I think like. He, he there's an extravagance a, a a feeling of excess to it where i think that there the other cenobites there's such more there's such a dignity to them
1: there definitely is and maybe it's just that they've matured into their new look
0: mm-hmm. uh, where
1: he hasn't quite he's like a kid in a candy store to a certain yeah. extent um
0: but someone who with his ego and his penchant for making other people miserable mm-hmm. um and to view himself with his instruments his of his of being a doctor these instruments of pain and stuff like that like i, I feel like i feel like that also was like why he's considered such an abomination in yeah. terms of what the Cenobites are because he's just like you know it's just not classy, for lack of a better word, is what he is. But it looks fucking. No, it's like the
1: Freddie Mercury of Cenobites. Yeah. yeah. Um, where I really wish that that was the end of the Doctor, right there. You know, mm-hmm. he gets put on his little dumb waiter to
0: an even lower recessive hell, and. And it would be this, and there'd be this attitude of like, "Oh, you really got what you asked for, didn't you?" Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love those
0: boots. Oh my god! Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to go and look at Fluvog and see what they got for me now. (laughs) This is some fantastic uh, Clive Barker really in its element
0: here. Yeah. Basically have people coming out on slabs, writhing in sheets.
1: Which speaks so much more to the doctor himself as far as where this, this area is shaped from, whose psyche this is being pulled from. Hmm. But it's got that mixture of uh, mystery and sex and death all in one. Yeah. And a very simple, very, very simple um, visual here. <laughs> Poof! <laughs> so there were specters under the sheets,
0: writhing specters like the Just horniest of all specters. A
1: wonderful set though. You know, if I could redecorate uh if I had the money to redecorate at this level, I would recreate um I always wanted to live in a place that looked a lot like the mausoleum in phantasm, but this is uh a little closer to my true aesthetic. I think yeah. I wouldn't like such a brightly lit white marble place.
0: Mhm. Well, I mean like there's an aspect of uh there's an aspect of this that's uh, it's, it's like, almost like an Anne Rice uh, vampire coven or something like that.
1: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, like where Armand has his stuff under the theater,
0: mm, yeah. uh, Grand
1: Guignol. It reminds me a lot of that area, or um, just where Van, where Dracula lives. Mm-hmm. This is a lot like what I Im- imagine.
0: This is like this is like Julia's. Uh julia's little like hutch or or, or, like vanity or whatever
1: this looks like a place where julia would spend some time
0: yeah now all the sheets are just soaked in blood now
1: still looks cool oh yeah this whole scene looks amazing it kind of looks like a music video it's a meatloaf video to a certain extent Mm -hmm. i think even though billy idol's white wedding uh music video comes to mind looking at the setting Come to daddy. I
0: was like, wait a second. Was that my message? Ew. It's so ripe in your confusions. Says the guy who basically tried to pull himself out of hell. Twice now. Yeah.
1: Still a pervert though. Yeah. Hitting on his knees.
0: Yeah, and again, that's what Frank's all about, right? Just this domination. He's got a beard now.
1: <laughs> Maybe your beard grows in hell.
0: Maybe. He's like, listen, a lot of people a lot of people are twisted cenobites with metal and exposed wounds around here, so I thought if I grew a beard I'd look tougher. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's like, cause I'm kind of a baby face dude and a wife beater right now, so
1: that's his luck. That's just as scary, you know. I'd rather I I would run to the people in the leather trench coats and metal accoutrement piercing yeah. their faces than
0: hang out with this guy. Me too. As He's too fact. greasy. Very greasy. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of like the uh, the neighbor in Carnival of Souls. That's like super. Uh, aggressive like this too i'm like why is this woman in love with this guy like he's fucking creepy oh shit
1: kaboom it's all made in japan
0: (laughs) he's like he's like no why did i douse this place in gasoline
1: totally i know or kerosene i think it would be kerosene oh yeah but that's like a freddy krueger dream logic here Mm -hmm. if you have the power to conceive uh your weapon or your your way to foil him it will work the way you want it to Mm -hmm. as long as you believe in yourself and try hard enough
0: power friendship
1: well now frank's looking a little more evil
0: that's true skin
1: peeling off and all that Yep, your face
0: beautiful beautiful face is he, Frank. is he burning because the photo of him burned?
1: I'd say so. I would say so because that's not how skin behaves in fire.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Unless he was like all the candles and stuff lead me to think of and the makeup lead me to think of like it is all like a macalage like it's a like that's not even the right word. It's like a like he was a wax dummy of himself and it all melted away. I don't know how else to articulate that. Why even bother with Kirsty? Now you guys can go and have a little bang fest.
0: Yeah, true. Except like Julia's, um Julia answers to the Leviathan specifically now. She's like a... She's just moving up in the world. Yeah. In this world of hell. And Frank seems so Small time.
1: I like the other actor better, though. Mm. I really do. This guy looks a little soft, a little twinkish.
0: (laughs) His tank top is so bloody.
1: Mm. Ew oh wait anytime anyone rips out someone's heart um I want to watch Dreamscape
0: have you ever <laughs> see that movie uh I don't think so
1: uh I'm gonna have to find it or something there's a, a heart being ripped out in that that is was probably one of the coolest goriest things I'd ever seen at the time it was probably like a couple years before this I'm gonna, I'm gonna just guess eighty-five or something.
0: Generally speaking, like when I see someone get their heart ripped out, it's like all Mortal Kombat for me.
1: Yeah, right. And this one was a little um, quick. I think the one in Dreamscape, if it did happen, in fact, before this, I, I'm just thinking that it was more like slow and gushier, and more like mm-hmm. in your face.
0: Well, there's like heart rip in like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. There's a heart rip in uh, From Dust Till Dawn. You've got your heart rips here. There's our big reveal of the Chanted Cenobite.
1: who suddenly looks a little worse for wear. <laughs> yeah, Dreamscape, 1984. Highly recommend. It's like a sci-fi thriller, apparently, but it's got horror elements for sure.
0: I think about that line, that, all
1: the time. yeah, I was just gonna say, I've heard you quote this line, and
0: yeah. he's come into his own, yeah, that's all it took this one of the things that I will say about his transformation into this cenobite type thing is uh <laughs> is the fact that his um he's so specific to him yeah that it really makes me wonder about the other Cenobites even more like like oh, explain that open throat explain the open throat why is why does chatter look like chatter why does butterball look like butterball what specific about pinhead meant that he got nails in his head like that
1: and it, I don't know, it helps reach forward into part three about why centipedes look the way they look.
0: Well, that dude has like the video camera head or whatever like, the fuck, right? Ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> I, I ridiculous. like it. I like it.
1: But I mean, it, it's true. It does get you thinking. Yeah. I mean, in Night Face, there's some creatures that I call golems, for, for lack of a better term. Mm hmm um that have that sort of aspect to so them. Night face two even more so. And it's fun. It's fun to do. So I can I can understand the fun.
0: <laughs> Julia
1: <laughs> talk about slippage.
0: <laughs> Julia just like degloved her entire body and uh. then very realistically was like ah all the way back to Which is
1: hilarious. And poor Tiffany had this like skin suit.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> would be proud. But especially since, like, well, the thing that's always so funny about Frank and Julia getting defeated in these movies is that it takes so much of the movie's time for them to regenerate, for them to get some skin, for them to be the, the, the ultimate version of themselves, and then it instantly gets taken away every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, in Nightface, your, your golem like characters, they're... Uh, they take on um, the environment that they're around a lot. Don't Partially,
1: they? yeah, and it depends on where they where mm-hmm. they died. Mm-hmm. And but you know, in the second one, there's a little bit more to uh, a new character. But I, I felt weird after writing one of them because he was a, he was a Doctor Gus, mm-hmm. yeah. and I was like, oh no, is this going to be my like anti-Cenobite? My, my false god that was here. such more
0: of a that was the way more sympathetic character though
1: mm-hmm. but suffice it to say it's fun to write that it's fun to think of how can this one be different when you're writing like a team of things that have uh similarities in that mm-hmm. they're this particular creature and mm-hmm. then to give them like to personify them to a certain extent it's super fun it's way more fun than writing a human character because that's boring and with
0: boundaries when uh, when I was uh, concocting characters for a comic book series that who knows it'll ever get made, but it was called Gore Bazooka. Mm-hmm. Each one of these characters are essentially able to manipulate their body and turn it into something grotesque, but also weaponized. Mm-hmm. And to, to, to like showing how like you can manipulate a human body into turning it into something uh, was something that I really enjoyed doing. So I kind of feel you yeah on that. Yeah,
1: it is fun. It is fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, here we've got our doctor. All the patients seem to have lament configurations. Yeah. So he's uh, weaponized the goddamn lament configuration.
0: Yeah. The doctor is in. Make some Zoidberg jokes.
1: And he's got some parasite stuff going on in his hand now.
0: Yeah, like straight up from like that anime. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's what it
1: reminds me of. <laughs> now, lovely stuff, though. And this is, you know, by way of phantasm, kind of, kind of goony, kind of weird. Yeah, weirder than I would have expected from Hellraiser. Looking at the first one, looking forward to the third film.
0: It's on par. Yeah. I think that the I think that their attitude of like just going really big with it, and and. Uh, yeah.
1: No more delays, Kirsty.
0: No more boxes, no more nothing. And I kind of like that in a sequel. It's like in the first movie, you establish some rules and establish how things work. And then in the sequel, you break those rules. That's like... Or, or at the very least, expand on them. She has an ace in the hole, though. She does. She's going to make him feel things.
1: No oh god, no not feelings. But they love, can be reasoned with.
0: I was just going to say I love that they can be reasoned with. Ah, oh uh, there's god. a sign.
1: There's a there's a sign rather. There's a line.
0: Yeah, your suffering will be legendary even in hell. I like this idea of like just giving him a piece of paper. Like is th- th- there something so weird about pinhead like <laughs> taking a photograph seems that's uh, so funny. It's
1: like he doesn't recognize himself entirely.
0: That's super cool. I like this. Like this sequence is so good. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time where we really see Pinhead seem unsure. Like the the idea that he she could even cut him off like nonsense. I and she says it's you.
1: Not female tries to put a foot down. Yeah, like nope. Enough of this looking at pictures and wool gathering.
0: Yeah, but this is but this like also gives credence to the fact that like you can't really say that pinhead's the leader because everyone seems to have a comment, right? Like everyone's allowed to chip in and shit like that. (laughs) <laughs> even the doctor uh, the way he comes in with his hands out like that like he's like listen i don't know how to not be spooky like i'm just like <laughs> oh god that's so creepy
1: <laughs> a little too weird for math oh tastes, but he's like, the doctor again he's just over the top for me yeah not a fan Maybe, maybe it's because he's too colorful. Like, look at my my pals, the Cenobites. They're all uh, tones of like alabaster and black. Where he's got like blue and red going on. All kind of, too colorful. Thank you, thank you, Pinhead.
0: Yeah, he's and, having none of this. And again, like like the it, I don't even think that it's the fact that the Cenobites have like remembered any of their humanity. It's simply the fact that, like, they reject him as a Cenobite.
1: Yeah. Sure, he has some similar tricks up his sleeves. And he's totally destroyed my pal Barbie Wilde.
0: Yeah, he, he, he gets a...
1: Butterball was nothing but a Butterball.
0: Yeah, he was like, maybe he just really liked to eat
1: and Chatterer.
0: Chatterer, yeah. Like a very young kid. Like what is he? Like nine, ten?
1: Maybe even younger. Yeah, he's just a super young little boy.
0: He's like, I'm taking over. He's taking the biggest shit in the world.
1: Yeah, that's what it looks like he's doing. Like, yeah, exactly like what it looks like. He really does. He kind of is taking the biggest shit. He's shitting where he's eating. Mm. Now well, some bad CG. We get some uh, rollback action on Pinhead's face.
0: Yeah. Doug Bradley must have been so happy to be able to do this scene with just, like, just wearing his costume like he didn't have to wear the makeup or anything like that.
1: It would have done wonders for his career, too, at this point. I mean, yeah. not like the first movie wouldn't have.
0: You know what? He still looks rather dashing in his outfit, even without the the Pinhead makeup and shit.
1: Oh, he certainly does. But that's no different than like at the club at night when the lights come on.
0: That's true. Right? He's like he's like going to swizzles or something like mm-hmm.
1: that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sad. This is right up there with Michael Myers being gassed half to death and slashing out in the darkness.
0: His eyes all poked out yeah, and shit. That made
1: me sad. This makes me sad.
0: There there's a point in in this where like I just want I just want the Cenobites to have just won that fight. Like
1: It almost feels like they did. Leviathan is in the background over top the hospital, everybody's dead and dying or going fucking insane. hmm This sounds like their kind of lifestyle. That's true. I know, I wish too, because I don't like the doctor.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that I, I i think that um they go a long way as the series progress to sort of indicate that the cenobites are eternal creatures, so yeah it's 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 very short sighted to even say that in this film they were killed, yeah because I mean the uh, spoiler alert all of these characters at one time or another will return to the franchise pinhead obviously is gonna be in every single movie. <laughs> Movie. Sorry. sorry like, you like
1: this blow-up doll like yeah
0: it's just like the julia blow-up doll get yours 14.99 $14. <laughs> $14. i like
1: how this blow-up doll has actual fingernails i know it's kind of cute they didn't deflate no way
0: well those are all acrylic they got that off of that model that they that she killed that was all tied up and shit mm-hmm. i love the i love these matte paintings so much
1: that's wonderful it really is
0: Again, I'm just, I kind of want to watch this again so I could hear the score, though.
1: Luckily, we do have a copy of the score here, and we'll probably be listening to it over the Halloween season.
0: That's a good atmospheric... uh,
1: Oh, yeah. It's just lovely, lovely stuff. Whether you're watching the film or not, there's a few scores that I could say that I like putting on. Mm-hmm. And, and listening from beginning to end, film or not. I mean, the score for um, that film that we'd done not long ago, um, Let Us Pray, mm-hmm. I really like that one.
0: Yeah. Well, I tell you, with the first Hellraiser movie, um, I ha- used to keep the DVD menu on on my TV in my room all the time. Just, like, listening to it on, this is kids before YouTube and yeah, stuff like that. that. when Spotify. that was what you had. Yeah.
1: So poor Tiffany had been called
0: mm-hmm.
1: by the doctor to solve puzzles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fun twist.
0: Yeah, it's totally in keeping with his character, though. He's just, like, this big Machiavellian-type character.
1: He knew that he'd need her someday to solve a puzzle. He surely didn't envision that this
0: would be it. No. The ultimate puzzle?
1: Yeah, I suppose that's exactly what Leviathan is.
0: Yeah. It's just like, are you going to solve the riddle of God, I guess? Do you let me ask you this. Do you think that there is an antithesis to this place, or do you believe that this is literally the afterlife?
1: Or is this Oh, only- I'd have to say that this is it. I can't see there being an antithesis to this, because that's just a, a, believing in some sort of heavenscape, I suppose. Yeah, But I'm more of a believer of, of a place like limbo existing, which is an in-between of the two, and that's what I think this is. Mm-hmm. More
0: of a limbo than any sort of heaven or hell. See, that's what I agree. Even though they refer to it as hell, I think that they're using that as a shorthand because language doesn't have a word for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, lovely. It was a ridiculous doctor.
0: Still putting out doctor lines. No c-
1: anesthetic
0: Yeah. Well, this is where he's like a Batman villain, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> He does look ridiculous. Do you wonder what that, what the, what the big, the main tube is attached to?
1: You can see the wires holding it up. Either way, yeah, it must be attached to some larger creatures, one of the great old ones, right? Or yeah. it's just like one of those. Have you ever seen those great big um, contraptions they use for lifting patients?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's what I'm. It's got these two wheels. It's like a big trolley. Now he's gone full Cronenberg.
0: Yeah. It's like, this is where he's starting to realize that, you know, the stuff that he can create with his tentacle fingers is limited only by his imagination. There's just so many
1: things about the Doctor I dislike.
0: (sighs) Yeah.
1: Sorry, I keep yawning. Oh, my gosh. That's fine. So many things about the Doctor I don't like. I don't like his motivations. I don't like his genesis. I don't like him as a centipede. I don't like the fact that he is supposed to be... Has usurped the title of cent- son and an interloper and all that, like I've mm-hmm. harped on already. And his just bad colors, bad CG, horrible lines. Like, there's everything about him I just don't like. I mean, I, and is he supposed to be likable? No, I guess not. But
0: and, and it's it, like to me, it's like this. Like, this um, still's got a smooch though. Ew. Uh, there's, there's something about his character that I think fits so well in terms of like a thing that is trying to be an affront to what the Cenobites are. And this idea about almost like wanting to be wanting to solve the puzzles for the wrong reasons. Like you're, you know, like later on in narratives, we're going to see characters sort of accidentally, Solve the lament configuration, but a lot of the times we're going to see people who have like, like Frank, like him or not, literally quested to do this. Like he literally wanted to go to this place. Um, He wants to be like essentially rule this place in the same way that he kind of ruled that hospital. He's like, oh no, my temple fingers.
1: And earlier he, like before he became the doctor, as we know him, he... Had simply wanted to observe, mm-hmm. finding out quickly that you can't just do that. You're mm-hmm. in or you're
0: out. And mm-hmm. this is his
1: version of in? Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: least oh, getting a bit of an overload here.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like if you were to pinch your fingers at where a mosquito has bitten you. Yeah, that's what thing. happens. Or when you yeah. pull a
1: tick out of, of, after it's embedded into flesh.
0: Yeah. It's like that Julia found her skin again.
1: Yeah, no. It is nice. It is nice. Although I like skinless Julia. And this would be super fun if we had skinless Julia through all this. Skinless Julia in a dress. You know, is that the same look as in Goodnight Mommy when the mom is bandaged up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's my remembering how much I liked bandaged Julia that Mm -hmm. made me like that movie so much. Or want to see it so badly. Speaking of slippage... D loved.
0: Yeah. Julia's trying to do the right thing. Well. Kinda, of, sort of. <laughs> I like that they're just like, listen, we're just gonna paint her on yeah. red. We're not gonna
1: They don't quite have the same effect.
0: <laughs> no, they really don't, but I don't know, maybe they ran out of money.
1: <laughs> it couldn't have been that hard to paint on one arm.
0: Yeah. It was me. The whole time. It's like it's this this moment. It's almost like a like a Silence of the Lambs type of.
1: There's no way that Kirsty could have worn Julia's skin and like, like had, that ju- had
0: Julia's voice. Like
1: yeah, we were watching um, House of a Thousand Corpses, and I do like the Who's Your Daddy part in that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look anything like the girl's father wearing his face mm-hmm. at all. Like, that's how macabre it would look wearing someone's skin. It wouldn't look as convincing as all that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now Leviathan himself, itself, is contorting.
0: Yeah. It makes you think. I was like, are the cubes Leviathan them, them itself? Like, holographic. Yeah.
1: Not unlike the Borg theory we had in the last episode yeah. about the Cenobites. The, uh the leviathan and the lament configurations are holographic
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's pretty much it Ooh, did you see the big skull
0: yeah yeah every time a light hits the screen it's a skull
1: that's mm, kind of cool i'd never noticed that you could see the wires holding up the doctor or maybe i had that there's another level of hatred for him
0: you're <laughs> like just... this is there's no truth in this doctor <laughs>
1: How does a a giant winged beast from hell come and grab the lament configuration from them?
0: (laughs) A space pterodactyl. An old man comes with a little box and says, you're not ready. Like the end of Gremlins.
1: Or an old man comes that already has a little box and says, what's your pleasure?
0: (laughs) Do you think that like, like... they're like, And Christie's fine from now on. It's it's like so many people in this hospital died. Like, everybody in the hospital died.
1: Of course Christy's fine from now on.
0: And you know that she's fine because she's got a smart haircut. She's got a cool jacket. She's got a turtleneck. Turtleneck. She probably has an Apple computer.
1: Holy One she. of the first. Maybe a Lisa or something. Because <laughs> she her fashion sense has escalated.
0: It's like when uh, by the third by the third one by the third Nightmare on Elm Street and they try to make like Nancy like look much older than she is and you're just like I'm not convinced.
1: (laughs) Each level of strife adds another level of
0: fashion know-how. You get a higher turtleneck every centibite you defeat.
1: That's what it seems. That's what it seems. And now it's almost like she has a daughter a sidekick, right? So she's Moving on up.
0: Yeah, you have, like, the puzzle solver. They could, like, fight supernatural crimes now.
1: Same mover from the uh, first one.
0: Yeah. He's like, this is what I do, all right? I move things. Hey, yo. I like that the bed, like, looks cleaner somehow than it did the last time we saw it.
1: Like, the bed is the real problem here. Oh, God. Why... What? Wait, put it in your mouth. just like Yeah, everybody just, else. T- just touch blood. Put it in your mouth. Oh, wow. Well.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like a moving guy. He's like one of the less dead, right?
0: <laughs>
1: no one's going to notice. <laughs> now, the pillar. One of my favorite things. Um... This one's a little more childish looking than some of the future ones we get. But uh, it's a really neat effect. It's fun. It's a very fun effect. Mm Mm-hmm. We've got some of our favorite uh, Cenobites. Wiggling Dolly. And um, what looks like the opening of a dark ride. (laughs) Remnants of the Doctor. The Baby Sewing Its Mouth Shut. Whatever
0: that's supposed to mean. All your favorites. Yeah.
1: And the hobo by way of the old Asian man in the first one it's sort of like an amalgamation of both of them saying what's your pleasure sir because I wasn't kidding about that yeah I know it's lovely yeah I like this film
0: yeah me too I really really love this film I really love uh, all the interesting ideas that it came out and even though like you know I totally get what you're saying about Channard and, and and stuff like that but i still say that um it's in keeping with him you know being the interloper that he is okay. and i don't really view him as a cenobite more so that i view him as a person who became a cenobite for the wrong reasons and it kind of like mixed with like the fact that like julia was now specifically an agent of because like julia also was not someone who wanted to Enter this place, she kind of was just like swept up in the madness and passion that was Frank, right? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, no, I love this film. Uh, e- each one of the subsequent Hellraiser films uh, has something to recommend to me, you know, as goony as the third one is, with like Pinhead's one liners and the ridiculous. So, like, there's a part of me that's just going to really like it because I really love the Cenobites. I really think they're a cool concept. And mm-hmm. as goofy as some of it can kind of come off as and, and how they kind of move farther and farther away from Clive Barker's original ideas, um, there's something about the overtness of the of the later entries into the franchise that I also really love because it really just became a showcase for people like the cenobites just show the cenobites the cenobites are the whole thing yeah and yeah. and that's all it is um yeah so that's it for 2019 you've you've gotten through our commentary tracks
1: yeah that's our happy Halloween mm-hmm. commentary spectacular
0: yeah what do we got next for them
1: Coming up next, we are not too sure, but we wanted to honor an ancient request from Thomas. Mm -hmm. And also a movie that we keep trying with doing, which is Child's Play. Yeah. The original. Like, we had recently watched the new one Mm -hmm. that is out. Fun, but nothing quite touches that original film.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll definitely be checking that out. And with our new format of not really knowing what we're doing uh but don't worry we'll let you know when we know yeah for <laughs> sure
1: that or pay attention to our instagrams facebook's twitter's anywhere you hang out online you'll find spotter pictures that are and we'll probably let you know what we're watching there especially if we decide to change it <laughs>
0: <laughs> you never know we're wild like that mm-hmm. um yeah that's it i guess i'm last yes, night i'm typical lydia and you've been listening To the 2019 Halloween special commentary track edition. Part two. Part two of Dead Air.